0: Next
1: stop, Capitol Hill Station. Hi there, you a... Can I get a deluxe fries a medium coke, and two ketchups, please? Wait. Deluxe Dry medium coke, two ketchups. Crossing Broadway. Walk sign is on. Crossing Broadway. Here we are at Gasworks Park. I'm with Jody Jakes, my friend, who kindly came out to talk to me today, with much arm wringing So I had to wrestle her out here, but here she is. And we're in the north side of Lake Union at Gasworks Park, the very poisonous grounds of Gasworks Park. Very gorgeous. We can see Tom Hanks' houseboat from Sleepless in Seattle from here. Good afternoon, Jody. Good afternoon. So, uh... How many, let's see, four years ago, five years ago?
0: This is my fifth year. November will be five years from the end of chemo.
1: Okay, so five years ago, Jody was diagnosed with breast cancer, which was terrifying for everyone involved, most especially Jodi, although she took it like a champ. So going back five years, I kind of want to get into a lot of the things that happened after your mastectomy, which kind of changed, it was a major game changer right in your life
0: uh, yes like nothing else
1: so Jody was diagnosed with cancer and then she had to get a double mastectomy and many you, you kind of couldn't see what was coming but Jody ended up being the poster child for many things she was in the stranger she made worldwide press um, because she was swimming in Medgar pool And since she didn't have any breasts, she wasn't wearing a women's bikini top that is completely useless when you don't have breasts and it just hangs on you and it presses on your lymph lymph nodes that are healing. So it's kind of a ridiculous thing to wear a bikini top over nothing. Can you kind of describe what happened that day? Should I go back and correct
0: a few things
1: first? Yes, please. Um,
0: First, I wasn't forced to have a double mastectomy. The breast cancer was only in one breast, my right one, and the surgeon gives the cancer patient the choice of what kind of surgery she wants to have. I could have had a lumpectomy, but um, knowing my personality and that I would have forever been fraught with worries about my um, mammograms that I would have had every six months, I decided to be more aggressive in the surgery And um, get a double mastectomy and originally during the surgery when they did a pathology on my lymph nodes they did not think there was cancer in them Um, but I had to have a second surgery to remove um, all those lymph nodes so ultimately I probably would have ended up with a full single mastectomy anyway and then the second correction I'll make is that when I was Deciding that swimming was something I wanted to pursue to get back into shape after a chemo and oh cancer God, treatment amazing. I looked for swimwear that would cover me on top And then when I couldn't find anything that wasn't painful because it was so near after My surgeries and treatment and that neuropathy lasts for a really long time the nerve pain um, I decided that I was being silly to even Think that I needed to cover myself up because I didn't have breasts anymore. Not nipples, nothing. It's just a blank slate. And so when I went to Medgar Evers pool, I asked their permission. Well, actually, I didn't. I told the person at the front desk that I was going to swim bare chested, and that started the whole deal where she said it was fine with her, but she passed me off to the pool manager who was absent so I talked to the assistant pool manager and she said it was fine with her but she really needed to check with the pool manager so she called her on her cell phone passed the phone to me she said it was fine with her that she didn't have a problem with it and then it kept going up all the the ladders of um, approval yeah in the parks department and then it you know I didn't swim that day it put me off weeks and weeks As time went on, I started to get more angry about it, especially when I finally had the conversation with the woman who I think was like the head of aquatics or something for the Parks Department. And she said it was gender appropriate swimwear that they were requesting.
1: Okay, so the term was gender appropriate. Yeah. That, that just opens up an entire huge hornet's nest. And, and bear in mind, this was five years ago. And the world five years ago to now, as far as all things, four years ago to yeah. now, as it's far as all things, down, it, it is it has changed so much. Shockingly, yes, it has.
0: Yeah. And in, in, so, in such a short time, it's changed so much. You know, the whole transgender community is so much more on the radar not just in Seattle, but nationally, globally. It's talked about. A lot of my support during that political debate came from the transgender community. Yes. Um, which I had really mixed feelings about, and it's hard to, a little bit hard to explain, but I've talked to other breast cancer patients who, especially if they're gay, and especially if they're androgynous. Right. Well I'm you're dealing with like yeah. breast cancer, right? And the body you're left with is very different from somebody who's transgendered and has chosen to have top surgery. And even though I'm gay and androgynous and I've been gay pretty much my whole life, I came out when I was like 17. Um, that's not my political fight and I support them and theirs but I didn't want I felt I felt so ugly right. And and I didn't want to be mistaken for a transgendered person. Right. Because I was still a breast cancer patient who was healing and searching for, if not my old identity, then my new one. And I just felt like everybody saw me as a big question mark in the world.
1: Right. And I'm going to say, and, and I'm going to do a, a blanket um, I love our community, our LGBTQI community, and I include the I because I actually think they have it the worst, you know? I mean, they're the ones that are getting their genitals cut off. Yeah, But this, it's such, what you went through is such a massive intersection of political issues. I mean, it hits where feminism crashes against transgender, which crashes against um it, it's so many different things, and you know, in this conversation is definitely an inclusive conversation, not a this person has it worse than that person has Mm-mm. it worse than that person. This is not what we're, g- we're talking about, you know. Mm-hmm. That said, I'm still going to bring up issues, yes! which it's such a conflicting, I would think, a conflicting thing to be going through breast cancer survival and become literally a poster child for the transgender community. Mm -hmm. Because in a way they're saying it's meant to be inclusive and it's meant to be embracing of you. And they did come and fight for you. You know, the, Mm -hmm. the transgender community came and fight for you. The flip side of it is they're saying that your body doesn't look like a woman's body. I mean, you identify as female and so you're being told if I don't have breasts, I'm not a female which is a really conflicted message. It's so deeply complicated.
0: Yes. I mean, I had months and months to to think about this, and at its most radical, I think it's just about gender definitions, period. And it makes me think that someday, probably many, many decades from now, but I think a genderless just human definition is more progressive and more positive in addressing human issues. <laughs> right. I mean? Sure. Like, uh, I mean, where we went in those Parks Department meetings, it was shocking that what we were even talking about. At first, they were comparing me to um, young girls who wear thong bathing suits that aren't allowed at the pools because, it, you know, it, it's so sexual. Uh, basically, lecherous men who wear see-through bathing suits. Right. That's what we were talking about and in the first going, meeting. Yeah. And, and luckily, I had two, um, two people come to speak on my behalf. And, you know, we, we said, we have to come up with all new definitions, all new terms, because this isn't none of this is applicable to this situation. And then they had a mediator come in, a third party mediator came into the second meeting, and we started from a completely different place. And, and then they did rewrite their policy.
1: And what is the policy now?
0: I can't remember.
1: Oh, okay. I, no, I mean, there's like a,
0: a placard that we wrote up the language for at that second meeting. And um, and I can't remember the verbiage of it right now. I have it right. written down at home. But it's basically about their facility being welcoming to all. Mm, something about if you have special needs to approach staff or something. Right. Oh I don't know. And, and basically that uh, they were going to educate all of their pool workers and staff just to even understand that people like me right are a population that exists
1: yeah and now going back to how you felt about your body and I mean this is again talk about complicated you know because you are an androgynous person I think that being androgynous and losing your breasts doesn't mean that it's less impactful it's it's very funny to me how I I thought about it so much after you had to go through your mastectomy about what if I had to go through something like that and my own relationship with my breasts and my Mm -hmm. body and um, and it's interesting to me and I've had this and I cannot remember who it doesn't matter who it was it's several different people in a in a way obliquely thought that since i'm a lesbian and i have small breasts that it would be no big deal for me to lose them mm-hmm. they didn't say it so harshly it just was that that was the message mm-hmm. because well why do i need breasts anyway i'm not getting a pearl necklace <laughs> <laughs> or you know, but it's it's funny because i'm i'm extremely attached to my breasts. I would be devastated to lose them. And even though they're small, and even though I'm a lesbian, doesn't mean that I don't get, you know, they aren't sexual, a part of my body. And I've always liked them. Mm -hmm. You know, it is a part of my body. I wouldn't change. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people have breasts that they don't like and that they're problematic to them and they might want a reduction. I'm sure they wouldn't want to lose them outright. Mm -hmm. And some people don't want them. And that's that's a different story. It just made me evaluate what that means to be, you know, to have something like that taken from you. It Mm -hmm. is still something taken from you. I mean, do you still, how do you feel about your body now?
0: Um, I will say that for me, there was some truth in the fact that it made it easier for me to make that decision because I'm gay and because I did have a um, ambivalent relationship, maybe yeah. during certain parts of my life. I appreciate the beauty of my former breasts more now that I don't have them. Right. They were really beautiful and perfect.
1: <laughs> yeah, you you had you always did have ambivalence toward your your breasts. A little
0: bit, <laughs> just and, and, that feminine that side. Like it uh, took yeah. me, you know, up until my mid to late twenties to start to want to accept that I was a woman. I think I always felt a little bit third sexish. Right. Sure. And then, you know, even after my surgery I think I hit one of my most feminine phases of my life just a few years ago. Um, so there's always some fluidity back and forth for me on the spectrum there. But I went to an after breast cancer class, a seminar that I took part in, it was like an eight week thing, and it was so eye-opening because there were a lot of heterosexual women, I think I was the only gay one in that group, but their breasts were such a part of their identity as a woman, and you know, their sexual identity and sexuality, and I, I was really shocked by it actually, because I felt like it was so much harder for them. Right. The the then image you, you
1: felt like it was harder for them than you.
0: Yes, I really did, because I've I've always had to s- self define, right? You know, from such a young age, being a tomboy. I think I was gay when I was born, practically. You know, um, and then coming out at a young age, and you know, being gay, you especially during the time that I was growing up, you have to to fight. A little bit to stake out a claim for yourself as far as your comfort zone and your identity and so I did not have the same issues that those women had right and that was the first time I really realized that and thought about it the the original um, image of the woman that I saw the photograph right um, that was shown to me of the woman on the beach with a double mastectomy and she just has swimsuit bottoms and Uh, She's in the sun with her two little children, and she looks so healthy, and she's just glowing with joyfulness and vitality, and when I saw that image, I knew that I could, after that surgery and cancer treatment, I could be a healthy, happy person again, because my physical body is so important to me, athleticism, and feeling good, and in shape, and stuff, and Um, So when I I saw that image, I already knew that I was leaning toward the double mastectomy. And I knew I could do it. And I knew that I would never second guess that decision. I was 100% all in. This will be my new body. This will be my new identity, my new self. And whatever I have to do. I will embrace it. And so that was a really long, circuitous way to get back to your question. But in a way, at this point, being it's just past five years this month from my surgery, it's like self-amnesia because it's pointless. This is my body. And I just told a friend recently who also had had a double mastectomy a couple months ago that when I look in the mirror, this is normal to me now. And I kind of have to twist my brain to think about this isn't normal for other people.
1: But it is normal for me. You're not jarred when you look in the mirror anymore. No. Do you like what you see in the mirror now? I do. I mean,
0: all of us who have had this surgery feel a little bowling pin shaped. Uh Because they're not just removing your breasts. They're taking a lot of meat.
1: (laughs) There's a Uh, lot of... A lot of muscle and tissue and... uh, They don't dig too... They dig through
0: the muscle tissue but they don't remove it like they did in the old days with the radical mastectomy where they actually removed some of the pec muscles. But they're taking away a lot of fat, and you know, there's like substance there, sure, all the way to your armpits, and so it's a different profile, right? It's not just like you know, makes you erase
1: the breasts, makes you want to watch your waistline, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, which I always did, but more so now, yeah, because it would really shine a light, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I'm
0: thin, so you know, like now that that boniness up top is even more prevalent and prominent, I guess, is the word that it was before. Because there's no like cushioning. Yeah, there. You, do just, like, you do appear like mm-hmm. thinner. You um, do appear
1: thinner, at least from the waist up. Just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, I'm 51. You're doing good. Okay. doing fine. <laughs> we rode our bikes out here. It helped. <laughs>
0: um,
1: when you, I know you're not. You haven't dated in a little while. But if if to say you were, how much of a, I don't know, the way people date now with online and Tinder and different things, how much can you I don't know, give what's the word I'm looking for when you put all of the negatives out front just in case, you know (laughs) I mean, it gives you another category, you're now in another category Mm -hmm. that's got to make things a little harder I would think, not that you're necessarily tapping on that door Right, well When I had my surgery,
0: I was eight years into a relationship that ended the next year, and I did meet somebody online, so I've only been with one person since the surgery. Right. After the person who was engaged in my thought process and decision-making and stuff, and I remember being a little bit nervous about just, like, the actual bearing of the chest. But at that point, I think I'd even sent her the link to the Stranger article where, you know, there's a photo of me right there. Right. So you know what you're getting. Yeah, that instantly. And I had told her very early on. So I think I'm also past the shock of that. I mean, I'm still a little shy about it, you know, even though I could go to Madison Beach. I've only done that once or twice and I feel pretty self conscious
1: this summer you'd think twice before you took your shirt off or it it would make you feel a little there's that moment where you're like okay here I go
0: well only because I want it to feel 100% natural and in my mind it should right but when I take my shirt off it's still going to make a statement and right. that's not why I'm taking it off. I'm taking it off, A, because I don't have breasts and because I'm hot. Right. You know?
1: <laughs> you make a statement no matter what now. Yeah. You are a statement.
0: Yeah. You know? But, I mean, ideally, I would want to whip off my shirt and think nothing of it. And I think that when I was closer to the um, the fight with the parks department, I felt a little more emboldened right. than I do now.
1: I got a big kick out of the fact that when Angelina Jolie decided to get her um, voluntary double mastectomy, that the press called you for um, a comment on that situation (laughs) as if you know fuck all about Angelina Jolie's life and her decisions. I mean, how ridiculous of a world do we live in that as if they would think that you would say, well, no, I don't, like you're going to tell another woman what to do with her own body. Right. What did you even say to them? I don't even remember. Did you just say, butt out?
0: No, I mean, I think it's important for someone as famous and sexy as Angelina Jolie to, you know, slap people upside the head with the reality of, you know, this is my choice of what I've done to my body. But I think the real public service that she could have done is shown what her breasts look like after Reconstruction
1: she could have done that although it's not her job to do public it's service. not and she does a lot of public service it's not, anyway.
0: but I yeah. think that I think visual impact is worth so much is that I mean why? that story was huge yes. and it did impact a lot of people and you know that probably emboldened a lot of younger women who also want the prophylactic surgery to to do so which they already are, you know. Percentages you have been skyrocketing over the last decade or more. Oh, really? oh yeah, you've the become medical community is actually taking issue now. They're thinking that women are being too aggressive with their surgery choices. Really? Like they have a really strong opinion about it. Wow, <laughs> they really do. There's a lot of uh, there are a lot of articles out there, in, in, in the New York Times alone in the last five years about it.
1: So many times during this conversation I I go back to that Saturday Night Live sketch with Bill Murray and Gilda Radner, First He Cries. Do you remember that nineteen <laughs> seventies? There was mem- a, a made for TV movie in the seventies called First Comma. She cries. And it was about breast cancer. <laughs> I know. It was about that. a woman who had a mastectomy and it, it was called First She Cries. But then Saturday Night Live, and this is like seventy-six, mm-hmm. Bill Murray Gilda Radner plays a She's in the hospital, she just got a double mastectomy and the, the sketch is called First He Cries. <laughs> and it's about how hard it is on him. And there's a lot of that in this conversation too. How hard it is on because even when you're talking about doctors not wanting to perform the surgery, how much of that decision is really because it I don't I mean, I don't I'm speaking out my ass. I don't know, but how much is that because of other people's um, oh,
0: my God. Again, it's, it's so dense and complicated. Do you know that even in the last, I want to say, two or three years, um, I'm acquainted with somebody who was made to have a psychological evaluation by her surgeon or doctor because she wanted a double mastectomy? In New York. In New York
1: City. It's within like, the last three years. It's like at the ultrasound and getting an abortion type thing or
0: and the presumption and I've talked to a female breast surgeon about this too, and she admits that there's a biased a bias in the the breast surgeon community that they have that presumption that a woman's gonna have reconstruction. Oh. Even though ultimately Like 58% of women who have breast surgery don't get reconstruction either because that was their original choice or because there are so many complications when you have reconstruction, recurring infections, the implants leak and they have to take them out and so women will remain unreconstructed after that. 58%. Is there?
1: Do you think that there's a push for reconstruction? Yes. Like kind of selling the idea on them?
0: Well, think about our culture. Of course, sure. there is. of course there is. I mean, what woman would choose to not have breasts?
1: And this is, it's the most yeah. sexualized
0: part of your anatomy as a woman, period.
1: Yeah, that's true. So that brings up another question, which is heterosexual women that, that are breast identified or maybe are thinking about their partner more than even themselves. They need some representation of seeing women that have had double mastectomies, or mastectomies, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. mastectomies, that aren't necessarily genderqueer or lesbian, because mm-hmm. these are heterosexual women and they don't identify as with, in a way they need some representation that isn't gender fluidity, trans and gay. Yeah, They need representation that's, you know, that's another like a place where the communities kind of crash into each other.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think if you're not a breast cancer patient, you probably don't know about the books that have been published um, or traveling art shows, The Scar Project. You probably aren't privy to those images that have been published of post-mastectomy bodies, whether they're single or double. I think it was in 1983 and this still blows my mind because I was actually in New York when this was on the cover of the New York Times Magazine. A model had had a single mastectomy and she is in this really glamorous gown that is cut away so that her mastectomied breast side shows, it's exposed. That was on the cover of the New York Times Magazine in like 1983. Wow. Yeah. And it was huge at the time. And I was oblivious to that. And when you think about how I think that it's changed more in the last five years than it has in those 30 years.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, that's Wow, well, I'd like to see that picture. So wrapping up, I mean, are, are there any websites or things that, you know, if people are listening that they want to see images or learn more about this? You have your flat topper. Can you explain the flat topper thing that you're doing?
0: Um, I think first and foremost, but it's not... A lot of these um, Facebook groups aren't public. Right. Unfortunately, the best one, my f- absolute favorite, is called Flat and Fabulous. And I love it because it is such a broad cross-section of... American women I mean most of them read as more like Midwestern or middle America Right Um, They're predominantly heterosexual but not all and as I said before they all fit into that category of not just not having reconstructed bodies but they don't want to fake it um they call them foobs you know the fake boobs Right um they're not comfortable, I would imagine and not. at some point, a woman wearing them feels inauthentic. I mean, it's the truth of your experience and your identity, you know what I mean? Right. Like, what, what are you hiding? Aside from, like, thinking that that silhouette of a woman's body with breasts is obviously the most real or natural, but we have to open up our minds that's not the only profile of a woman's torso, and... These women rock it so hard. They're so beautiful. It sometimes it makes me cry. There's this one woman in particular. I think she lives down in Arizona or something and she's probably maybe almost 70 and she's so beautiful and she wears clothing. She had a single mastectomy and she makes a point of finding like graphic patterns on her dresses and tops or altering them so that it actually accentuates her flat side and you look at her I mean that's kind of radical yeah. and it's activism for what we think of as you know like ideal beauty or whatever I mean she's from a, that generation that like there is only one definition kind of of a woman right and I just think she's so empowering and she's so beautiful and she's so happy and she so fully accepts who she is but again that's a private site you have to ask permission but just the variety of women on that and how they support each other and cheer each other on like you can feel 100 percent confident and beautiful and sexy with a flat torso you just have to decide
1: yeah and do some work in that area yeah well, thanks for uh, talking to me. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I feel better today. Do you feel better? I do, This yes. is what this is all about, <laughs> talking to a friend to feel better. Because I
0: do, thank I gotta you. i got to say
1: that you did not feel good today, and you didn't want to talk. It's true. So, And it always charges me up
0: when I do talk about this, because the flat topper thing that you asked about... Um, the proud flat topper, I always kind of have that at arm's length and then I when I dip my toes in it, I get really charged up about it. I can never quite decide how I want to be active and supportive to that community but it's there somewhere.
1: You were just a little more active and supportive today. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Jody.